Hello, Astro Vibes is a podcast where I get down to the nerdy, dirty details of this ancient language, and sometimes about you. I'm your host and astrologer, Garo, and I'm recording this in late November. It's weird to think that New Year's is already around the corner, but apparently it is. I hope you all had a cute time celebrating with your friends and family, and that you're setting some magical intentions for 2022. What better way to ring in the new year than to talk about boisterous Leo and forward-thinking Aquarius as rising signs? As per usual, I'll tell you all about these signs and what they look like as a rising, and then we'll do our little rising sign analysis of two of my wonderful friends' charts. As always, I'm open for readings, and you can book an astrology reading with me at calendly.com slash astrocado underscore, link in the show notes. Let's get into your nerdy dirty chart details, or big three details, or solar return details, whatever details you like. Again, that's calendly.com slash astrocado underscore. So, today's signs, Leo and Aquarius. They're the signs that accompany Taurus and Scorpio in the fixed sign universe. In the northern hemisphere, they continue the seasons summer and winter. At this point, we're pretty all into these seasons now. In a similar way, Leo and Aquarius are signs that are all in, making sure that whatever pressing project they have gets organized and managed so that it can get done. Starting things, flexibility, and adapting to change are not their specialties. They're more comfortable in the routine and less comfortable with change. These signs rule the 5th and 11th house axis. Leo rules the 5th house, which is about areas of life including fun, pleasure, sex, children, dating, and recreation. These keywords are all about how we express our personal identities through our imaginations, through thinking something up and then making it manifest in the real world. Aquarius rules the 11th house territories of community, like-minded friends and groups, as well as hopes and dreams for the future. Something I like to remember that helps me to conceptualize this house is the fact that it comes after the 10th of career and public roles. So once you've secured your place and your standing in society, the 10th house, it comes time to use that role in community with others to affect the future, which we do by establishing who do we want to associate with and what are the future dreams that we want to achieve with these associations. That was a long sentence, I hope that made sense. So what is the common theme that these two houses share? Well, it's the concept of identity. The fifth house is about your personal identity and how you express it, while the eleventh is about your public identity and how you express it with other people, with working with them. More about the sign Leo. Its archetype is the wise ruler. Its symbol looks like a little circle with a squiggly question mark shaped line coming out of it and down. It's represented by the lion. Lions are the rulers of their habitats. They put their energy on display and they command attention when they roar. Leo, a fixed fire sign, is associated with leadership, majesticness, dependability, and radiance. It's full of life and energy, which often manifests through consistent, targeted physical action. 
This makes even more sense when you consider that Leo is ruled by the sun, the center of our solar system. It's the luminary that powers our existence. In astrology, it's the planet, quote-unquote, that symbolizes our outer expression and what we actually do in the world. The sun is in its domicile, or at home, in the sign of Leo. I'll introduce the sun more in the Leo rising section, but remembering this rulership really helps me understand what Leo is about. Let's think more about Leo's association with the fifth house, which rounds out our perspective a bit and provides important information about the sun. As mentioned, the fifth house is about areas of life related to creativity and expressing your identity through your imagination. It comes after the fourth house, or where we call home, our lineages, our roots. Now we learn to individualize and separate from those roots to show the world who we really are. This is where its associations with creativity, children, fun, and recreation come from. I love the fifth house, not just because my Venus is there. So Leo and the Sun are at home in this house because these things are what they do best. In her book, You Were Born For This, Kenny Nicholas very aptly describes Leos as the clown who seals our heart with warmth and charisma. Leo is playful, humorous, artistic, and performative. It loves to put itself on display for all to see, and needs affirmation for doing so, or its lovely flame will burn out. It's all about action, but in a different way than its fellow fire signs. While Aquarius wants to take action quickly based on its gut impulse, and Sagittarius wants to take action adventurously based on faith, Leo wants to take action creatively based on reaching a certain goal. It uses its charisma to do that fire signy, inspiring other people thing, and it's dependable enough for others to trust to take the lead. Leo symbolizes the ideal healthy ego. When this ego is not so healthy, maybe feeling overlooked and resentful that it's not getting the recognition it deserves, the sign's expression gets distorted, like all of them do. Its lionistic qualities go both ways, from regal, sweet, and orderly, to vicious, attacking, and overly competitive, and eating your face off. Just kidding. The baby. Leo Rising In my opinion, being a Leo Rising sounds like a lot of fun. One could say their motivation for life is a cross between YOLO and live left love. Because they embody the sign in its ruler, the sun, you might notice that Leo Rising seem to physically glow and radiate energy. In fact, Leo Risings are the only ones that the sun blesses with its glow, since Leo is the only sign that it rules. Like the Cancer with the Moon. Like Cancer with the Moon. The Cancer. Hello. If you're a Leo Rising and you needed to hear that you're special today, well there you go buddy. You're solarly special. Here's what Richard Tardness has to say about the sun. Sun. <clears throat> the central principle of vital creative energy, the will to exist, the impulse and capacity to be, to manifest, to be active, to be central, to radiate, to shine, to rise above, achieve, illuminate, and integrate, the individual will and personal identity, the seed of mind and spirit, 
the animus, the executive functions of the self or ego, the capacity for initiative and purposeful assertion, the drive for individual autonomy and independence, directed and focused consciousness and self-awareness, the centrifugal expression of the self, the trajectory of self-manifestation, ascent and descent, the ruler of the day sky, of the clearly visible, the single source of luminosity that overcomes the encompassing darkness, the monocentric, yang, the part that contains the whole in potentia, soul and other solar deities, the archetypal hero in its many forms. This is the ruler of Leo rising. The phrases, the will to exist and to be active, are helpful for me in thinking about the motivations of Leo rising. They make gut choices based on wanting to shine as their best and their brightest self. Leo risings are driven to creatively self-express, which many manifest through an interest and often a talent for the arts. No matter the venue though, they're an active, performative participant. They command attention and they want you to respect them. And they'll be so big-hearted and giving and kind that you have no problem giving them the applause that they seek. Unless they're a grumpy Leo who feels like no one's paying enough attention to them, then they're not so appealing, very self-centered and projecty. This is my least favorite kind of distorted sign <laughs> to uh, encounter. Personally. The way that Leo rising manifests looks different on each person depending on their sun and moon signs and many other factors. We'll look into some of these factors as we analyze my friend Audrey's ascendant expression. Fun fact, Audrey's was one of the first charts I attempted to analyze and one of my first informal birth chart readings I ever did. We ate pizza by the beach and it was a lovely time. Thanks, Audrey, for your permission to learn from your chart again, and for that cute beach hang. Okay, to the chart. Audrey has a Leo rising, Taurus sun, and one of my favorites, a Scorpio moon. Ooh, ah. She has four planets and points in fire signs, four in earth, two in air, and two in water. The personal planets are in fire, earth, and water. They're all in fixed signs, which tells us that Audrey might be really hardworking, do well with a routine, and likes it when things stay the same, less so when things change. But there's also some cardinal energy that brings a sense of initiative and comfort with new circumstances. Not to mention having a boisterous and brave Leo rising. As someone who's worked with Audrey, I feel like this is really true to who she is. She's dependable, great at managing and organizing people, and I don't know this for sure, but I feel like routines are really important to her, and her Capricorn 6 house supports this theory. Let's zoom in now to her rising sign to see what's really going on here. Audrey's rising sign point is at 2 degrees Leo, and her Mars is 1 degree apart at 3 degrees Leo. This makes her Mars and Ascendant conjunct. This is such a spicy combination. Leo is already all about action, and then Mars comes in to provide plenty of energy, endurance, and motivation to help Leo do what it does best, shine. Amazing leader and performer vibes. 
The thing about this combination that I don't see reflected in her is the highly competitive and aggressive vibes of this combination. My first impression of Audrey was so much more chill than that. And we'll find out why as we go on in our search for what modifies the expression of this ascendant. When we look at what else is in her first house, we see a big part of the missing piece of this puzzle. Chiron is there, 15 degrees away from the ascendant point. I've mentioned my own Chiron in an earlier episode, but I didn't go too into detail on what the asteroid is about other than it's your wound, which it is. <laughs> and I love saying wound. Anyway, here's a bit more to help us understand why it's so prominent in Audrey's chart. In her book, The Essential Guide to Practical Astrology, which is great for learning, I highly recommend, April Elliot Kent describes Chiron in the birth chart, saying, Chiron symbolizes traumas or wounds that are incurable, but which can through consciousness be transformed into great strengths. Chiron is a symbol for healing and healers, holistic health, higher knowledge, and the mind-body connection. We all have Chiron somewhere in our charts. We all have deep wounds. Mess that one up. Wounds. Wherever Chiron falls in your chart shows what hurts and where you need to heal. It also shows you where and how you have the potential to heal others. Healing our Chiron wound is a lifelong journey for all of us. Chiron moves slowly, which means that generations will have similar Chiron signs. So the house and the aspects that are uh, it's making are what make each person unique. With Chiron in Leo in the first house, we see that Chiron things come out in her house of identity, body, and self. Chiron in Leo is the wound of self-expression. Having Chiron in the first house makes this wound a part of Audrey's core identity. Ouch. Thanks for letting me talk about your wound, Audrey. She read this before. Okay. Without the Mars Ascendant combination, Chiron in the first house could make for a Leo rising that's painfully shy and has a hard time being themselves. Mars, however, directs its warrior energy to that same house which shows us that the drive to heal these issues is just as prominent in her identity. Chiron softens the explosive Ascendant Mars conjunction, while the conjunction provides energy to Chiron for healing and mastering self-expression. Where she's at on this journey is personal to her, and I would definitely ask more about it in a reading. What I do know is that without this asteroid here, she would be a way different type of Leo rising, a way different kind of Audrey. And I like the one we have. <laughs> Yay, Kyra. Okay, that was a big one right off the bat. Let's look at the ascendant aspects before we look at the sun, who's the ruler of this chart. Audrey's Mars ascendant conjunction is making a basically exact square to Audrey's Mercury, which is in Taurus in the 10th house, the same sign in house as her sun. This aspect brings our attention to the challenges between Audrey's identity and persona and the way she communicates or expresses herself in her career and public role. Leo's and Mars's approach is much too flashy and bold for her Taurus Mercury, who likes to go slow and steady and does not enjoy change. These two are not working together naturally, but they actually have something in common, which is an asset that Audrey can use to integrate them better. This asset is their fixed sign modality, 
They both want the same thing, to get the job done and done well. This is a key part of the tension, but it's also a key part of the solution. Maybe there's a way that they can compromise. The next ascendant aspect is a lovely trine from Venus to the Mars ascendant conjunction, gracing Audrey's persona and first impression, an air of beauty, likability, and kindness. This is so nice, and it's so Audrey. It's an Aries in the ninth house, feeling the fire of Leo rising, in a nerdy ninth house kind of way. It also plays a part in softening the ascendant Mars conjunction in a fire sign thing. An interesting dynamic here is that Venus is in detriment in Aries, so you would think that it wouldn't be able to express itself as strongly, but Mars is the ruler of Aries, and it's part of this try, as if it's kind of endorsing this collaboration and helping Venus out through uncharted waters. We also have a Mars ascendant sextile to Jupiter in Libra in the third house. This would be an excellent strength to use to help balance out whatever's going on with that Mars Ascendant square to Mercury. Jupiter is going to expand Libra's people skills, balance, and fair-mindedness in the house that Mercury is associated with, the third house. Putting this aspect and the Venus trying to good use would help offset the issues that might arise with communication in the 10th house matters, <clears throat> as we see with the Mercury square, Ascendant, and Mars. Those are the Mars conjunct ascendant aspects. Now, what about the ruler's aspects? Let's check it out. Audrey's ruler, the Sun, is in Taurus in the 10th house of career and public roles. It's in neutral territory here, shining bright, being a star, just like Audrey is at work. Side note, the Sun is happiest in Leo, as we know. It does pretty well in Aries, it struggles in Aquarius, and it has its hardest time in Libra. The This Taurus Sun placement is in the house of career and public roles, like I said, and it gives me slow, steady, and chill leader vibes. Also, the vibes that her self-expression, the Sun, is a key part of who she's meant to become in her long-term position in the world, the 10th house. Her daily personality is experienced most in this realm, and it's re-energized here. Again, as someone who's worked with Audrey, she truly shines at work, and she does a really great job in a paced and grounded way. The Sun's Aspects The Sun is opposite the Moon, which means that she's a full moon baby! How cute! Trine Uranus, conjunct Neptune, and square Chiron. As we have to wrap this up, Here's a very short summary of what they could mean. With the opposition and the square, their sources of tension and friction between Audrey's outer expression and inner self, as well as with her wound. Audrey's Scorpio moon threatens Taurus's stability with all of its feelings. The sun and Chiron aren't getting along, but they work really well together if these two areas of life were able to be integrated more because they're both in fixed signs. The Neptune and Uranus trine is very cute. They're in the sixth house, giving a nice blessing she can use to cope with some of the challenges. This could indicate that she has a gift for self-expression through Neptunian and Uranian things, like imagination and meditation and sudden radical change. 
I super associate this with Audrey's creativity. Apart from being great at whatever job she's doing, she's also an amazing musician and great at expressing herself through music, through engaging in these Neptunian acts, which can come to her spontaneously and radically, her Uranus. She accesses a natural talent and a key to her self-expression. That was a lot on Audrey. Thank you again for letting me analyze your chart. I learned a lot more this time around and I hope it was helpful for you to hear. I must say, what a wonderful example of a very multifaceted Leo rising. It's really strong in the chart, but also modified by a bunch of other things. The themes of hardworkingness, creativity, and all the fixed energy really stick out when it comes to her rising signs expression. I will also tell you, Audrey is a great time to be around. She's playful and she's kind and she commands your attention. And there's nothing more Leo rising than that. Remember, there's a lot more about this chart that we haven't explored and the pieces that I've talked about only tell us about her rising sign. On to our break. And when we come back, I'll tell you about Leo's polar opposite sign, Aquarius. Enjoy the tunes and if you want more information on them, you can find the song and artist info in the show notes. Aquarius is the fixed air sign. Its archetype is the teacher. Its symbol looks like three little water ripples. This used to get me really confused about it being an air sign, but you'll see why despite its name and symbolism, it's super duper air. It's represented by a water bearer, someone pouring water from a jug. You could think of that water flowing out as all of Aquarius's insightful, helpful, and sometimes zany ideas being brought forth to the world. Aquarius has a truly independent mind and wants to share all its thoughts with the goal of helping as many people as possible. These thoughts and ideas are often unconventional and brilliant. This is like a cool teacher that really opens up your mind. Although Aquarius is the intellectual outsider of the group, it's a sign that is all about the community, the collective, working with like-minded people towards a goal. This is an echo of the house that it's associated with, the 11th. Paprika. Paprika's an Aquarius. Just kidding. Paprika's my cat. Anyway, in the 11th house, we gather with others to envision and create the future. We're not best friends with all these people, but we have ideals in common and a similar future in mind. Aquarius is good at making these types of connections. What sets Aquarius apart from its air sign sibs, Libra and Gemini, is that it's the most rigid in its ways of thinking. It's a fixed sign, and it's gonna take a lot for you to convince Aquarius of a new perspective once it's made up its mind. Making up its mind is a whole thing for Aquarius. It does so deliberately. 
When I said independent mind, this is part of what that means. A very thoughtful and stubborn mind. It's happiest when it's allowed to be itself, think for itself, and serve the collective. It's not so happy when it's restricted, when its ideas are put down, or when it spends too much time in its head and not enough time with people. This could result in an Aquarius who's cold, detached, and not very present in the material world or their relationships. If it seems like Aquarius' qualities kind of contradict each other, well, they do. Consider this. Its traditional ruler is Saturn, and its modern ruler is Uranus. These planets are very different, yet in Aquarius, both are prominent. Saturn gives Aquarius its determined, disciplined, long-term oriented mind, and Uranus supplies Aquarius's quirkiness, sense of individuality, its desire to subvert and change the mainstream. The way they function, and, as, and how well they work together, depends on where they're at and what they're doing in the birth chart, which we'll see an example of later. Aquarius rising is driven to innovate, imagine, and work with others towards a better future. They make good choices based on wanting to express their wonderful ideas, which they identify with very strongly. When making a decision, Aquarius Rising is going to consider all the options and pick one, pick one firmly based on how their choice will impact their goals for the future. They're your friend who's going to be themselves and not give a single fuck, because with Uranus as a ruler, they don't know how to be any other way. They might express their Uranian quirkiness through a unique sense of style that makes you go, hmm, I never would have thought of that, and I love it. It's not that they're trying to be different, they just are. Aquarius Risings seem to know everyone, maybe not personally, but enough to make sure there's a friendly connection there. They know that you can't accomplish long-term change on your own, they need a team of friends to work with even if they disagree on some things. If it's a good day for Aquarius Rising, people will see them as personable and thoughtful. On a bad day, they could be seen as kind of separate from the rest of the world, stuck in their own head, and not paying much attention to how they're making others feel, which can hurt people, especially if there's a lot of air or water in their chart. They also run the risk of being closed off to other people's ideas because they feel like theirs is the best one. Which, honestly, it usually is, but lean into those people skills, Aquarius Rising. Let's see what an Aquarius Rising's chart has to say. My friend Hernan is an Aquarius Rising and Sun, which is conjunct Mercury, with a Taurus Moon in the 4th house. So that you know where I'm coming from when I relate things to his personality, I met Hernan in college many, many years ago, and I took classes with him, so I know him in like the academic and student sense, and also as a friend. Right off the bat, I can see that this is a super Saturnian chart. One of his rulers, Saturn, is in the first house, but also 8 out of 12 of the planets slash points are in Aquarius or Capricorn. That is a lot of Saturn. I'll talk about what that means in a bit. Also, it will be interesting to see the role that Uranus plays in the chart, so we can play who's Hernan's most dominant chart ruler. We'll talk about that in a bit. But first, the elements. Hernan has four points and planets in air, 
six in earth, two in water, and zero in fire, except for the asteroid Chiron. The personal planets are split between Aquarius and throughout each of the three earth signs. BMC and Pluto in his Scorpio 10th house are the lone sources of water energy. I'm actually really surprised to see that he has no planets in fire signs, only Chiron and Leo like our previous chart. This impression I have of him could be explained by other pieces of the chart, so let's see what else is going on. There's three planets in the first house, that's a lot, in addition to the rising sign point, chart co-ruler Saturn and the sun conjunct Mercury. This makes all of these planets really important for Hernan, and essential to the mask or persona he wears around others, as well as his choices. Saturn brings a sense of discipline and responsibility to his persona, while the sun conjunct Mercury there shows that his daily outer expression and communication style align with the mask that he wears in the world. Also, stellium alert, Hernan's Aquariusness is very pronounced especially in terms of his persona, identity, and body. Without getting to know him on his deeper Taurus moon level, Aquarius is all you might see. I totally see the Aquarian vibes of Hernan. He is very unique and true to himself, and he also literally embodies the Aquarian archetype of the teacher. He's worked with high school students for a long time, and I can see how he would be really good in this role based on his first, planet, first house planets alone. Here is another layer of Saturn that we haven't talked about yet. Traditionally, Saturn is related to the father figure, partly because he's named after the mythological Kronos, god of time. He overthrew his own dad when he was 12 by, by chopping off his testicles. <laughs> that was fun to say. Later, when he was a powerful ruler, he found out from an oracle that he was going to suffer the same fate by his own children. So, he did what any sensible dad would do, and he swallowed up all his children as soon as they were born. And naturally, they lived in his belly, and they were trapped there. Then, secret baby Zeus comes in, not a baby anymore though, and he kicks his dad's ass, forcing him to regurgitate all those kids so his siblings could be free. I wanted to tell that story because it's wild, and it tells us about another side of Saturn. As we've learned in previous episodes, Saturn signifies a lot more than the god of time or some guy who gobbled up all of his babies. But yeah, people also refer to him as the stern dad. Embedded in this idea of Saturn as a dad is gender roles and the ways we assign characteristics to certain genders. Obviously, the responsible, stern, limit-setting, pain-in-the-ass parent doesn't have to equal dad. These qualities have no gender and could belong to anyone who's a certain style of caregiver. I personally try to queer my perspective on the planets and all the gendered astrology stuff, because there's a lot of it, but I keep my mind open to the idea that sometimes this gendered shit does apply. I bring all this up because Hernan is a dad of two cute-ass kids, and this very Aquarian Saturnian chart reflects the dad vibes. His teacher and father roles are embedded into his chart, which is cool. BTW. Even though I just told that whole story, please know I'm not equating Hernan to Kronos because I do not believe he would ever swallow up his children. Just the dad part. Okay. <laughs> Hernan's rising sign and co-ruler Saturn are both making the same single aspect, an opposition to Chiron and Leo in the seventh. 
the wound of self-expression in the house of partnerships. An opposition indicates tension between two planets or points in the birth chart, and in this case it's between his identity, self, and persona, and his wound, as well as between his drive for discipline, structure, and hard work, versus, again, his wound. This indicates a need to find balance between these things rather than letting one overpower the other. There's some inner work to be done here, or inner work that has already been done, only Hernan knows this, around his relationship with himself and the way he expresses himself in relationships with others. This is definitely something I would dive deeper into in a reading and ask questions about. Without Hernan's input, we don't know how this manifests especially since everyone's experience of Chiron is so personal and subjective. So far, we haven't talked about Uranus, Hernan's modern ruler. Uranus is in Capricorn in the 12th house, and Uranus shows up in the part of the chart that's about rest, retreat, mental health, and the subconscious. The Uranus stuff of radical change, awakenings, and disruption happen in a very behind-the-scenes house. The aspect that Uranus makes tells us more. It's a trine with Jupiter in his 8th house. Jupiter helps expand Uranus's explosive power in the 12th house, while, while Uranus encourages Jupiter to make big changes in the realm of transformation, death, and shared resources. One life event that I think exemplifies the energies between these two planets could be how Hernan was awarded a full tuition scholarship to a college far, far away from home, where he would spend four years going through an inevitably transformative experience. This is very Jupiter in the 8th house, being awarded external resources to pursue a rebirth of sorts, also very Aquarian. The Uranian part comes in when we think of the suddenness of these changes. As a fellow recipient of the scholarship Hernan earned, I can speak to how shocking that process is. One minute you're competing to win the thing and dreaming of college across the country, which you've never visited. The next minute, you're the winner of this scholarship and leaving everything you know, like Harry Potter going to Hogwarts. You're a wizard, Hernan. <laughs> I love that meme that's like, you're a blizzard, Harry. <laughs> anyway. This Uranus-Jupiter trine shows us that part of his co-ruler's function in his life could be to bring these types of transformative and sudden experiences. Uranus gives Hernan's chart a little gift to help him deal with the challenges connected to his Saturn and ri rising opposite Chiron. There are also other challenges related to his rising that he could use the strength to cope with. Since the Sun and Mercury are in his first house, directly connecting them to his rising, let's look at their aspects. Obrika. His Sun conjunct Mercury in his Aquarius first house makes two aspects and they're both squares. First, we have a square to the MC conjunct Pluto in his Scorpio 10th house. This indicates friction between his communicative, independent thinking, Sun, conjunct Mercury, and his feeling side, his higher purpose in the house of career and public roles. Without going too much into Pluto and karma here, the conjunction it makes with the MC might indicate that this is an area of life that Hernan has to karmically transform. 
This gives me the vibes that his individuality and communication style don't always further the higher purpose of his career in public roles and vice versa. It also gives me the sense that he needs to lean into this transformation and not resist it, as these fixed signs would prefer to do. There's something to be figured out here, something I would need more information to interpret. Second, there's a square between the Sun conjunct Mercury and his Moon in Taurus in the 4th house. Something about his persona and outer expression is creating friction with his inner sense of self and safety. The Aquarius Sun might be too outspoken and contrarian for his Taurus Moon, who prefers to lay low and enjoy things as they are, especially in the home and family sphere. We have completed our analysis of Hernan's very prominent and layered Aquarius rising. What have we learned? Well, we see someone who is super Aquarius on the outside. His current roles in life accurately reflect some of what he has going on in his chart. This Aquarianist is heavily influenced by Saturn, along with his Sun and Mercury who are all in the same house. He has his gifts and his challenges like the rest of us including a very interesting gift that brings him an abundance of sudden changes that facilitate transformative experiences. Thank you so much for letting me use your chart as an example! It was so interesting to learn and think about you through this process. Miss you, buddy. That about wraps up our episode for today. I hope you had a fun time learning about Leo and Aquarius rising and the example charts. Hope that the example charts help bring some of it to life. Next week, we're going to take a little pause from our Rising Sun series before we close it out. I'll be talking about a fun mystery topic ooh, ah, that I very much enjoy and want you to know about ASAP. So come back next week for that. Thank you so much for listening to Astro Vibes, and I'll talk to you soon. For more content, follow Ambient Vibes Music on social media and check out the merch for Astro Vibes at ambientvibesmusic.com slash store. Bye-bye.